Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It is now October 2nd, 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside on a beautiful day in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Welcome to episode number 1,440. 1440. I am stampeding to episode number 1,500, which will be on December 1st, and also the fourth anniversary of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. As I mentioned every single day that this has been, uh, I've been doing this since... October 24th, well, that's 22 days from now. In just a little more than three weeks, your pal Sully will have been doing an original podcast every day for four straight years, a presidential term. And as we would say, as we hope to reelect a president, four more years, four more years. And I guarantee you, I'm going to give you at least one more year. Hey, this is one of the, I like this new tradition in baseball. I think this is fun. I think it's a little annoying in the morning when you're used to having ball games starting, but it's a nice thing to have all the games start at once on the final Sunday of the season, final day of the season. And there was a period of time where it looked like the mathematical possibilities of absolute pure anarchy happening in the American League was really on the table because it required a couple of losses from the uh, was from the Blue Jays and from the Orioles who were playing the Red Sox and the Yankees, and it would take a couple of wins from Detroit who were playing the Braves, one of the worst teams in baseball, and the Mariners had to lose to the A's, who were also not doing well this year. And if all those things happened, we would have had the possibility of a four-way tie in the American League wildcard. But this is why you play the games. You play the games because you can look up and say, yeah, yeah, the Tigers should kick the snot out of the Tigers. Yeah, the uh, A's should be blown out by the Mariners. But as we saw what happened on Saturday night, the A's and the Mariners played a wild game. You know, Nelson Cruz's home run off a friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle. The A's. The, my my. Best friend, my son Aiden, just gave a go A's here, and the A's came back to win that game in the tenth inning. Did they? Yep, and they eliminated Seattle. Now, right now, my son is doing a little bit of a walk like an Egyptian jumping jack celebration because the A's played spoiler in Seattle, and with that, the Bra- and the Braves coming up and winning against Detroit, we may have something kind of just standard. Now, you all know what's going to happen. I'm going to continue this podcast. After all the games end, as I'm recording this, the Blue Jays are throwing a no-hitter against the Red Sox. The Orioles are making, uh, well, easy work of it against the Yankees. And the Giants are cruising to a 5-1 lead, which means what's going on in St. Louis uh, means absolutely nothing. What is going on there? The Pirates are winning against the Cardinals, so there you have that. So I'll at the end of the podcast, I'm going to review... My thoughts of the end of the season will probably have all of our playoff matchups set up, and I'll give some of my final 
thoughts and my final who owns baseballs. But let's just, while I'm here, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping because I was going to do a Sunday request last week in response to a um, Michael Carpenter, whose Twitter handle is at ache me in I, I think. I don't know. I, sometimes, you know, my Twitter handle is Sully Baseball. It's very simple. It's not like, you know, mmm, barbecue anyone? You know, it's, it's nothing like, mmm, cats are made of sandwiches. They're no. Sandwiches. I know they're not made of sandwiches, buddy, but sometimes people have Twitter handles that I can't figure out. This is coming from a guy whose production company is called Boy in the Drain. But that being said, my Twitter handle, Sully Baseball. And what's it for? Sully Baseball. Very easy. What's my Twitter handle, buddy? Uh, Sully Baseball? Exactly. Well, at least, well, I have a club, a secret club called YAM. I can't tell you what it stands for, but you might, But it kind of makes no sense. I can't tell you what it stands for. Okay, fine. Well, no. I'm Don't tell the secret. This goes in public. Oh, yeah. You've already blown the fact that you got a secret club. Yeah. I can't. We know you're not going to be a spy. You're going to go out. You're going to work for the CIA. You go, oh, I shouldn't tell you this. I'm a CIA agent, but uh, I'm supposed to take care of some uh, secret uh, thumb drives, which are filled with information. At least, I'm not, saying, at least I'm not saying what it stands for. I'm not saying our secret objectives. I'm not saying. You have, secret, not you have secret objectives at age 11? Holy Toledo. All right. Well, let, let me finish the podcast, and you can tell your dad. I've been the, spying on you. You better not have been spying me. I'm your dad. Well, during Alvin Powell, we've monitoring you. You did monitor. Hey, can I? Do you mind if I do a baseball podcast? I only I I've been doing this, you know, for four years now, almost four years. Yes. All right. So let me get through this one, and you can spy on me all you want. See you later. Bye, buddy. So let me tell you that um, Michael is one of several people who claim that I uh, have a hatred for the Cubs. Um, now this stems back to last year when I was not jumping up and down and doing what my son was just doing when learning about the A's victory uh, every time something positive happened with the Cubs. Also, I, I rooted for the Pirates in the uh, wild card game, and I rooted for the Mets in the National League Championship Series. I've also did a podcast where I wasn't completely, in 2014, I didn't go out of my way to say, this new batch of Cubs prospects are going to be the greatest team of all time. And I've been very vocal since the acquisition of Aroldis Chapman that, and I'll, and I'll say it very bluntly, I've not minced any words, I do not want the Cubs to win the World Series. I don't want them to, I, and I am going to be rooting against the Cubs in the postseason this year. The main reason is I don't want the image of Aroldis Chapman on the mound being mobbed by his, his teammates to be the image that will be forever duplicated, similar to Keith Folk jumping up after tossing the ball to Doug Mankiewicz, similar to Brian Wilson hugging uh, Buster Posey, similar to Bobby Jenks jumping up on the mound for the White Sox. That first world championship, the image of the, f the final out is indelible in the minds of all fans. And that's the image that is the one that everyone remembers. 
And I don't want it to be one of a Roldis Chapman because of what happened this year, because of his domestic abuse suspension. And I do not want a narrative of a sense of redemption for him, that a year that began with suspension ends in glory. Because I don't want people equating doing well in baseball with erasing what someone did wrong in the world of domestic abuse. Because, and I've been very clear about that. I've been very open about that. That's also why I'm not crazy about the concept of the Mets going far in the postseason either, because of their acquisition of Jose Reyes. But I don't think that's going to be an issue. Famous last words. Um, Michael Carpenter wrote several tweets to me. This one is one I'm going to address. Sully Baseball, your hatred of the Cubs <laughs> predates Chapman signing with them. What's the real reason you don't want to see him win at all? Okay, I'll go there. Um, I don't have hatred of the Cubs. I said this when Joe Montaigne was my guest. Uh, it's No one hates the Cubs, okay? It's like hating teddy bears. You know, that no one dislikes a franchise like the Cubs. And uh, someone else wrote, it may have been Cubs fan with an eight, it may have been Michael Carpenter, uh, wrote, so wouldn't the historic moment of the Cubs winning override my animosity towards Chapman? The answer to that is no. In fact, it is the historic aspect of it that rides my, my, the bitter feeling in my mouth that it would happen if that historic moment was used as, you know, that, that would be Chapman. You know, it just is. And the fact of the matter is that that's the, even the historic element, I think because that will be a World Series that is shown over and over again, that we'll be talking about one of the great moments in baseball history. Yeah, the first World Series the Angels ever won was 2002. And it was a great moment for that franchise, a great moment for their fans, and for that team. But how often do people replay that moment of Troy Percival reacting to the final out being made? Not often. Not often. You know, and I think, and that was, a, that was actually a very good, competitive, great World Series between the Angels and the Giants that year. But the Angels don't have that, even though it was their first ever championship, and that was a tortured fan base, and it was a tortured team that they finally won, it didn't have the resonance of what a Cubs title would be. So, with that in mind, uh, it is different. Now, I don't have hatred for the Cubs, but you also have to remember, there is a certain thing that happens when your team is not in the postseason. But it also happens whenever you're following baseball like me. And I did a whole chart about this. I was crazy enough that I did a goddamn, my kid's not here, I could say that, a goddamn chart figuring out which team, if it was a head-to-head -head matchup, would I root for. And I did it. I had, a, like, I had an, X, uh, an X and a Y axis. Obviously, I always root for the Red Sox. Obviously, I always root for the Yankees. I root for the A's and Giants in most circumstances, except if they played the Red Sox. And that particular year, if it was A's-Giants, the year that I set it up, I would have pulled for the A's because of the recent championships with the Giants and my connection to Sean Doolittle.
And there, there are reasons that emotionally you pull for a team. You know, and for whatever, for historically, there have been teams that I feel a, a, a kinship towards. Beyond the Red Sox and, and the Giants and, and Oakland, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Seattle Mariners. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Chicago White Sox. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Pirates. A big reason for the Pirates is because of my memories of the 1979 World Series, the first World Series I ever watched. And the fact that I was a huge Bonds fan, and I loved that outfield of Bonds, Bonilla, and Van Slyke. And I loved those Pirates teams of the early 90s, and I, and I it found it heartbreaking. You would have thought I grew up a Pirate fan of how, how devastated I was in 91 and 92 when they just barely lost to Atlanta in those two wonderful National Championship Series. I'm outside. You probably heard me stepping on a leaf. So when I saw the Pirates in the wildcard game last year, and they had a wonderful team. What was it, 98 wins? It was a wonderful team. They would have run away with any other division. They're stuck in the wild card. And I know that a team like the Pirates, who had been bad for so long, that the fact that they needed to get past Arietta, I absolutely believe that if the Pirates won that wild card game, they would have gone to the World Series. I think they would have beaten St. Louis, and I think they would have beaten the Mets. And I was rooting hard for because I don't know how long that window of opportunity is. And my desire to see a historic Cubs championship was not stronger than my desire to see this Pirates team go on to win. And so I rooted for the Pirates. Absolutely I did. Now keep in mind the previous year, the Pirates played the Giants. All the same emotions towards the Pirates. My love for them in the 79. All the things are valid. They were playing the Giants. And when Brandon Crawford hit that grand slam, I jumped off the couch and said, Yeah! Against the Pirates! Because the Giants superseded them. Now, for, in terms of my hatred of the Cubs, I rooted for the Cubs in the 1984 National League Championship Series. I rooted against them in the 89 because they played the Giants. I rooted for them in the Division Series against the Braves in 1998. I rooted for them against the Division Series in the Braves in 2003. I rooted for them against the Marlins in 2003. I rooted for the Cubs against the Diamondbacks in 2007. I rooted for the Cubs against the Los Angeles Dodgers in 2008. And I was living in Los Angeles. So there have always been instances where, head-to-head, -head, my desire to see the Cubs win is based upon who they are playing. And there are teams that I have a stronger emotional tie to than the Chicago Cubs. If it's White Sox-Cubs, I'm rooting White Sox. And partly because I've always felt a kinship with them. Partly because their name is Sox. Partly because Carlton Fisk went there. But also I remember my mother, when she went to Chicago for some conference, she was, for whatever reason, she wanted to get a White Sox t-shirt for me. And she went into this, this was in the late 1980s. And she went in, there were tons of Cubs jerseys, tons of Michael Jordan jerseys, tons of Walter Payton jerseys, tons of Blackhawks jerseys. And the way back, there's like one rack and there's like two White Sox shirts hanging there. And for that reason, I realized, man, if you're a White Sox fan, then you are 
you are not the default fan. You're not rooting for a trendy team. You're not rooting for a team in a, in a stadium that everyone considers part of a pilgrimage to. And even when they did win the World Series in 2005, I remember all these articles about people asking Cub fans for their reaction towards the White Sox. So it isn't a hatred of the Cubs. It's always based upon who I personally want to see win in a matchup. If the Cubs were playing the Yankees with the current team, man, that'd be tough because I just don't want to see Chapman win. I'd have, to, I'd have to do some serious soul searching. But that's not an issue because the Cubs are not, the Yankees are not a playoff team this year. I might as well be saying if the Cubs played the Nippon Ham Fighters, it ain't going to happen. So it's not a hatred of the Cubs. This year, it is. I do see them as the bad guys. They're clearly the favorites, so any victory would be the underdog winning. And I'd like to see the Cubs win, but I don't want to see them win this way. I'd rather not be with someone that I consider to be an asshole to be the one who we celebrate. And, a, and as I said, there's a difference between someone who I disagree with, a Kurt Schilling, for example, who I cheered for mightily. We disagree on many things. And some of the things that he believes in, I think, are downright screwy and somewhat dangerous. But that's different than being someone who physically abuses someone. There's a difference there for me. So, with that, Matt, with Neo, the fact that the, you know, there's a difference between a, even a John Rocker and a Brett Myers, who's a, the, you know, is physically abusing people. I see a difference there. And so, with that in mind, I'm not rooting for the Cubs. It's not because of hatred. It's because of who I personally am pulling for at that time. So, Michael Carpenter, I hope you understand it's all about weighing things out. Now, if you'll excuse me, this podcast is going on for a little bit, and I'm going to go see who won these games. When I come back, the regular season will be over. Well, the regular season is now over, and I have to say it was a little anticlimactic. You know, I really wanted to see you know the potential of a four-way tie or a three-way tie, but... Man, oh man, Tigers wet the bed, and the Tigers are going to have to really just think about that all off season. The fact that they had a playoff spot with ten games to play, with three games against the Atlanta Braves, and they lost their last two of them. If they won their last two, if they won just one of them, they'd be forcing a tiebreaker game. And you know what? This, they're going to have to think long and hard about what this is going to happen this off season. It would not surprise me if Brad Osmus is let go. And we already found out that Robin Ventura resigned as manager of the White Sox, which is probably music to the ears of many White Sox fans. The Red Sox were getting no hit, then they got a then they tied the game, but then they lost. So you know that the final game of Big Poppy was a loss, but everything's all lined up now. Red Sox are gonna be playing the Indians, the Orioles are gonna be playing the Blue Jays. Nats and Dodgers, the Mets and the Giants. Meanwhile, the Rangers and the Cubs wait for the winner of the wild card game. And for those teams, there's still all the promise in the world of what could be a great year, what could be a completely forgotten postseason. For the Yankees, the Rays, the Tigers, the defending world champion Royals who finished 500. 
for the White Sox, who will find a new manager, for the Twins, who might find a new manager, for the Mariners, who came so close, to the Astros, who posted another winning season after last year's surprise year, for the disappointing Angels and A's, for the Marlins, who finished the season rebounding from tragedy, for the rebuilding Phillies, for the rebuilding Braves, for the Cardinals, who came just so close, the Pirates, who had a disappointing year, the Brewers, the disastrous Reds, the perennial middle-of-the-pack Rockies, the crushingly disappointing Diamondbacks, and the falling-on-their-face Padres. That's it. That's it. See you in the spring. For those 20 teams, it's see you in the springtime. And for those fan bases... I hope you had fun. I know there are many years that my teams don't make it that I have a ton of fun while doing it, while following them. And for the second time in my life, the Red Sox and the Giants are in the postseason at the same time. And I still want what will be for many the postseason matchup from hell, which is the Giants versus the Red Sox. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm going to make my postseason picks. I'm going to make my MVP picks. I'm going to make my Cy Young, my Rookie of the Year, with a little bit of distance. But right now, I'm going to miss the day-to-day companionship that is the regular season. Looking up and knowing that all the teams are playing. I'm going to miss that. We're going to get it again, to be sure. But it doesn't mean that I'm not going to miss having baseball every single day with all the teams. So thank you, regular season. You were fun. You could have been extended one more day, but the Tigers wet the bed. Who owned baseball in the final regular season game? Julio Turan dominated the Tigers. Three hits, shutout ball, striking out 12. Braves won that one nothing. Aaron Sanchez keeping the Red Sox hitless into the seventh, and the Blue Jays wound up clinching 2-1. to one. Matt Wieters with his two home runs against the Yankees that pushed the Orioles into the postseason. And Bernard Spann going three for five, scoring three as the Giants won in Vin Scully's final called game. I still liked it better when his final called game would have been that walk-off homer. Wouldn't you? Hey, um, half-wubs. Paul Clemens struck out seven Diamondbacks in six innings, but the Diamondbacks walked off against the Padres three to two. Justin Verlander kept the Tigers' hopes alive with seven really great innings, but got the tough luck one lo- one nothing loss. Brian McCann singled in homer for the Yankees in that five to two loss to the Orioles, and Charlie Blackman reached base five times, including a homer, but the Rockies lost in an extra inning game to Milwaukee six to four. So, if you're keeping score at home for the final time of WOB this year, it's Julio Turan. Aaron Sanchez, Bernard Spann, and Matt Wieters, full wobs, half wobs of Paul Clemens, Justin Verlander, Brian McCann, and Charlie Blackman. Uh, Freddie Freeman of the Braves finished the year leading the league, leading National League hitters with eight and a half wob, edging out Nolan Arenado with seven and a half, and Daniel Murphy with seven. The pitcher who led the league in wob in the National League, Jose Fernandez, ten and a half. Just uh, that just makes me. Pause right there. Uh, Clayton Kershaw had 10. John Lester had 9. The American League batter who led the league in WOB for the year was Miguel Cabrera with a 9.5 WOB. Uh, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout were tied for se- uh, second place, each with 7. And the American League pitcher, it wasn't even close, 
Corey Kluber had a 12 lob, uh, beating out Chris Sale at 7.5. And, and Danny Duffy, David Price, and Justin Verlander each had 6 lob, but that was an easy win for Corey Kluber. So, we're going to continue Who Owns October as the playoffs go on. That will be Woo, and then the Who Owns the World Series would be Wows. I'm going to continue doing that, but it's, it's a little easier to keep track of those instead of the whole in all the games. So, man, it's going to be interesting. We got ourselves an interesting postseason here. It's all lined up. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Reddit, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, from everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the second day of October 2016. Regular season's over. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.